0: Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash J. Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com. KUYU.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the KUYU.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about KUYU, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank KUYU for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com, use the J. Scott 20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Arizona
1: looks like uh, they are playing with the idea of shutting all, cell, or, oh, not cell, all game camera use. Cannot use game cameras for taking wildlife. What do you
0: think? Well, I think it was about a year ago, maybe more, they outlawed the cell camera that you're talking about. But, you know, 87% of Arizona is is public land. You're talking about a lot of private land in Kansas. Um, and then the latest is the commission voted 5-0 to zero to... Uh, make a it's, it's not set in stone they're taking public comment I, I don't know specifics but I think at the end of this month they're going to be doing some you know final decision uh, but they want to ban the use of trail cameras for the I guess the, the harvest or the aid of, of you know taking wildlife um, and it's caused a big uproar um, there's a lot of people for it and there's a lot of people against it um I'm one uh I own a couple of trail cameras I don't even know where they are um I don't use them in Arizona I'm really only guiding for bighorn sheep in Arizona anymore I don't do the elk because I'm over at the Odd 6 Ranch you know at the Odd 6 it's all private property and we have I don't know exactly but close to 200 cameras there all on private land and you know Hunter and I you know, are checking those all the time. And it really helps in knowing how our animals like you talked about travel and move around, uh, helps us, you know, take inventory of, of all of the different animals from bears to turkeys to lions to, you know, deer, elk, uh, antelope. Uh, and then in Arizona, um, I've, I have used trail cameras, maybe one time uh, on a hunt, I've Had a friend of mine put up some cameras a couple years ago on a bighorn sheep hunt uh, throughout the summer just to take inventory on rams at drinkers because in the summer it's so hot, that's a good time to catch them at drinkers. So it's kind of an interesting thing for me, you know, someone that doesn't use cameras um, in Arizona, I'm kind of sitting on the sidelines, if you will, watching uh, this kind of go on and, and, you know, there's very adamant people against them there's very adamant people for them and it's kind of you're either for them or you're against them um and it's it's you know it's kind of tough on one hand I think uh you know the game and fish that we've got other issues and things that should probably be uh you know spent time on and then on the other hand I know that there has been some you know, abuse or, you know, people problems, let's call them, because of the trail cameras. And I think, you know, you get those situations where I think you've got some problem areas. You've got the Arizona Strip and you've got Unit 9, Unit 10. And, um, you know, it, a lot of it, Chris, in my mind, revolves around where the, the uh, Arizona Game and Fish drinkers, the man-made drinkers are, where they've got what we call the trick tanks that the Game and Fish is actually created And it seems like a lot of the problems are related to those trick tanks, whether it be on the strip or in Arizona, you know, elk unit nine. So, um, you know, on the other hand, uh, trail cameras, uh, I think when you're talking about the strip, I think there's deer. I think better deer have been harvested because of cameras. But I think the guides have played a role in better deer management and you know, one of the things I would say is because these guides and outfitters that run so many cameras, because they know the inventory so well, I believe that they've been able to hold their clients off of the trigger on some of these younger deer, uh, knowing that there are some bigger, more mature deer in the area. And I believe that they've harvested better bucks, yes, because of the cameras, but I believe probably the deer herd is in a better place because of that. So, I I mean, I see the the negatives of if potentially, you know, you're hunting a basin, and there's, you know, several drinkers in the area, and, and guys are going in at all times of the hours to go check those cameras. And I mean, I've been up to the Arizona Strip and seen those trees, seen the posts, seen, you know, where there's literally, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15 cameras on one drinker. So, The problems that it creates are a situation where, you know, 10 or 12 different outfitters know about a certain deer. Well, guess what happens when the season comes They, you know, those outfitters are all jammed in hunting right in that proximity of area. And then of course, bumping into each other. And of course they're big giant deer. So, you know, emotions are high and everybody wants their client or, you know, personally to kill the biggest deer. And so it creates problems and issues. And, and that's where it's at. Um, that's where we've gotten to where we are, in my opinion, is that the people, uh, the hunters, uh, us, we can't seem to play fair with each other. And it, it's we've gotten to a point where obviously the commissioners feel like they had to do something to alleviate some of their complaints. Now, so on, on one hand, I would say, well, you know, are, are they just getting complaints so they just feel like they have to do something? Um, you know, has anybody, has there been bodily damage? Has there been, you know, fights? Has there been, you know, has it affected people's hunts? I think people could argue both sides of that. Um, but they've definitely come to a point where they feel like there's, you know, they have to do something. And that's, they voted five to zero. Um, now they say they're taking public comment um you know there's been ideas kicked around about a potential season where you could run them from x date to x date and then all cameras have to be picked up after that um you know and then there's been the talk of well if even if you outlaw them there's still some of those uh guys out there there's a thinking that they'll still run them so then you've actually created you know the 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 law-abiding guys are going to get hurt because the non-law-abiding guys are going to run them anyway, so they'll have an advantage. I mean, it's just a big hornet's nest and a big mess, and I see both sides of the story. Um, personally, I, I I hate to see the government step in and make any sort of, you know, ban or ruling on, on anything. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people in our state that run cameras in... Um, off the wall areas if you will let's say southern arizona or central arizona where they hike into a spring and you know they've had a camera there for you know 10 years and they've been monitoring you know bears and mule deer and coos and you know everything bobcats um deer elk whatever and they're not bothering anyone and even more than that they really enjoy checking the cameras and, you know, they get their kids involved and it gets kids excited about the outdoors. And so, you know, personally, I think it's a shame to ban cameras statewide. Um, I think it's just a shame. I think if there becomes problem areas, potentially, you know, maybe looking at the ideas of a, of a season, you know, I think that's a better alternative than, a, an, than an outright ban. Um, you know, I think the, the game and fish and sorry to go on so long winded, Chris, but I think the yeah, ga- yeah. I, I think the game and fish, you know, they they feel like they have to do something. And, you know, so whether that be a total ban, whether that be a, you know, unit by unit ban, whether it be a season, um, you know, I don't know really what the right answer is. I really don't have a dog in the fight i've actually been asked i've been i've been sent messages from both sides trying to get me into the fray if you will and argue one side or the other and you know from someone that doesn't run cameras in arizona on public land it it just you know i don't really have a dog in the fight i see both sides of it i've seen it from a guiding perspective i've seen it from a hunting perspective i've seen the positive and negatives of it um and i would just say as a general rule Um, regarding the ban, I'm really not for government stepping in and banning anything. I don't think we're at a point where it's gotten so bad that it requires a ban. I think there's a way to potentially manage or, and, or make some stiff penalties for if there are problems, what are those problems? And okay, if you get involved with those problems, you can, you know, suffer some, some consequences i think that's a better idea than you know spoiling some guy's joy of you know down in southern arizona and he hikes in a half mile or a mile and to a spring or maybe he's running salt and you know no one else is around he's never got anybody else on his camera and now he can't run that camera it just seems like that's not a good solution
1: well i tell you what yeah so Let's take a bunch of things step by step because the reason why I did want to talk to you about this is precisely for what you said. You are not someone that normally... Well,
0: no, not even normally. When you were guiding elk... I didn't run cameras at all.
1: Correct. But yet you guys were consistently... And I say you guys when you were doing stuff with Dart.
0: You guys were consistently
1: into and performing and, and killing the cream of the crop of you did not. You would go, I mean, you loved to glass. You, you love to hunt by, you know, with your eyes. And then once you find a, a bowl on glass, or if you, if you come across a good bowl, then you go in there and you call them and you have a good calling hunt and you, you run and gun and, and just you guys grind it out and you guys always performed and you did not run game cameras. So, you have a perspective on being able to perform at a high level without the use of this technology.
0: And that just comes down to time, you know, spending a ton of time. And that's why we were successful as we spent tons and tons of time, not necessarily in the summer when they were in velvet, but, you know, from September 1 to October 1, 30 days straight, you know, never missing a morning or evening glassing. And over time, you know, you get to know where they are, and, you, you know, that's how we did so well.
1: And and, and then fast forward, now you are managing uh, or the Ot 6 and you guys run an extensive game camera survey out there, if you will, for monitoring and, and, and inventorying and everything. So you do, in my opinion, have a very valid and incredible uh perspective on this topic because you've been on you've you've been highly successful and performed well on both sides of this issue and I know the other flip side is I'm sure you're going to have numerous conversations over these next weeks and months I mean, you have a very large network of outfitters that you guys, that you, the J. Scott Outdoors podcast usually has, you know, your your podcast episodes with those guys. I'm sure this is going to come up and, and you, you'll be able to pull their opinions on it. Obviously, you know, we've got friends that run very large uh, cell camera operations in Unit 9 or 10 or other places, and, and I'm sure that is going to impact their operation. Um, but, the reason why I wanted to talk to you about it, because you do have a good, credible uh, experience on both sides of this, this issue. Now, here's a question for you, I think because I think you did a good job of, of just making an overview of, of what the problem was. And I know that we've talked about this, you and I have talked about this in the past, and I know that you've talked about it on your podcast in the past, but just for the folks listening here now, like Jay said, this is not necessarily an issue of someone has there, there's a, there are a handful of people there are no i can't say it. there are some people that just have an ideological aversion to using cell cameras i say cell cameras using game cameras we'll get to cell cameras versus game cameras here in a minute using game cameras for hunting There, there just like there are people that have a problem with using lighted knocks there are people that have a problem using the lighted uh, bow sight there are people that don't want to use you know you don't want people that have uh, thermal imaging scopes or night vision scopes. I mean, there are there are people that have a different threshold of what they see as a fair game or fair chase uh, technology involved in a hunt. And there are some people that just think game cameras are too far, that, that, that just takes it too far. That really, I don't think, is the issue here in Arizona. The issue is, like Jay said, there are some of these high premium units that, you know, it takes 20 years to draw the tag and you could end up killing a 400-plus-inch bull or a 200 to 250-inch mule deer So, where these are highly coveted, highly restrictive hunts where everybody wants to to get the best of the best that they can. And it becomes combat, you know, if it's bow season, especially, it's combat bow hunting. I mean, you have 15 cameras at one waterhole, and there are, I'm not going to make any, I'm not going to apologize for saying this because this is the truth. You will have certain outfits, and I'm not saying an outfitter because you can have a a guy that just draws a tag and he brings 20 of his buddies up to help him, but there are groups that, you know, somebody draws a tag and they will saturate an area with a game camera. They start checking the game cameras. They know that there's a good bull in there, and I've literally seen it where you will have the hunters over in one area hunting, but the quote-unquote helpers... Are going from waterhole to waterhole to waterhole during prime time, claiming, oh, we got to check game camera. oh, we got to check the camera, we got to check the camera. The, the hell you, you're out there, you're checking a camera and you have a plausible reason for being there, but you're disturbing the whole area, trying to just basically, hopefully, that the elk or that mule there doesn't show up at the waterhole that my hunter isn't at. And it, it becomes this nightmare of activity in and around these critical waterhole sources where it becomes a nightmare and i mean arizona game of fish has for years had a law that says you cannot camp within a quarter mile of a water source why because they did not want the disturbance of that campsite to preclude animals from wanting to come into that water source and utilize it well if you've got 15 different people checking game cameras at all hours of the day, and quite honestly at night, on every single waterhole, how is that any different? There are some people that would argue, how is that any different than camping there, right? So it has become a significant conflict, and I think Arizona Fishing Game is trying to mitigate that conflict. Now, my question to you, Jay, is this. You are right. If this was about a year or a year and a half, two years ago that they, they, they kind of came up with this you know, the the idea that they were going to do something. Has the Wildlife Commission down there changed? Are we dealing with a different group of individuals to where we have a different mindset on the commission? Or are these the same individuals from before that are just now going, okay, enough is enough?
0: I think there's actually a couple of new commissioners. I'm not 100%. I don't keep up on it a a whole lot. Um, But I believe there are a couple of new commissioners um, I, I just think that there has been enough, um, problems, quote unquote problems, I guess that, you know, where people have been jamming on each other and, and, you know, creating an an experience that is not, um, what you would say is a good ex- hunting experience. So I think they've, they've had enough of those complaints, uh, that they, have decided to do something my my own personal belief would be I would hope that there's not someone on the commission that just doesn't like trail cameras and that just has a you know bone to pick so to speak with a trail camera and or people that run trail cameras and lumps from the from the way the ban is to me the way I just feel about it I feel like there's several people on the commission that they do not want to either a deal with the problems or B, they just don't like cell cameras and they think it's a fair chase issue. And I, I, I think that's too bad. I, I, I just, I well, think that's too bad because I think trail cameras if used properly and if people could get along and that's kind of the big thing uh, are very valuable. And I think for game management, they're very valuable um and go ahead
1: well i was just going to say i I didn't want to i apologize i didn't mean to
0: cut you off there i I just didn't want to get
1: off what you said there is um let's war game this here a little bit and and talk about that proposal and possibly the commissioners and 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 what might end up happening because i was heavily involved with public process and uh, sportsman's politics in colorado for hell a decade um like as in i was at the State Capitol at least once, if not twice a week, um, for a long time. Um, dealing with this, so there's a couple things. So the proposal, like you said, is the way it's written. It's like it's done. It's over. We're just gonna. It just you cannot use a game camera uh, for the aid of taking wallet. Now the thing is, is it, the way it's written right now? Like you said, it's so vague. On, okay, what does that mean? So if I if I put a game camera out in March and I see a big bull on a trick tank and then I pull my game camera April 1st, but I come back to that trick tank in September and I kill something did did, did that game camera aid in my uh, killing of that animal or or can now we, we, we if you are a hunter you're not allowed to run a game camera at all because you bought a hunting license and you're going to hunt in the unit that you had a game camera. But whereas if I'm just a wildlife watcher, I can put a game camera up.
0: Right. So and that's the I hard just, part. It's, it's the hard part. Well, is there's, there's enough people out there that just run cams for the fun of it and just yeah. enjoy watching it. How do you determine whether that's a legal cam or not a legal cam? And that's what a lot of the people that are arguing that it's, you know, an all out ban isn't going to do anything because the people are going to find a way around it. For instance, um, you know, what if I, someone I was reading a couple of forums, just looking at, you know, what people were saying. And a guy was like, what if I just start a company that goes around the state and literally has, you know, a couple thousand cameras in all these different units and runs cameras year round. And I sell a subscription to people. And if they want to see what's on my camera, they get, you know, they get to see the pictures that are on the camera. Well, is that guy aiding, you know, in the harvesting of wildlife, you know, I don't think you could argue he is he's not even a hunter, you know, so I don't know. And, you know, that's where I think, that's where I think, you know, if better than an all out ban, um, I, I think would be a season, but then I do see on the, you know, seasons are going to be hard to, um, enforce whereas an all out ban might be easier to enforce. Um, but still, I think just letting, ca- letting people run cameras and leaving it be, and maybe trying to mitigate the problems that the cameras create more than the cameras themselves might be the answer. But I'm really glad that I'm not ha- having to make the decision. I'm um, really glad I'm not on the commission and they have a tough Tough job in front of them because I think it's pretty fifty-fifty. There's people that hate it and there's people that love it. So,
1: well, I, the way I see this, and I, I've, been a, I've been involved with this type of stuff before. Yes, could, could we have? Could you guys have some commissioners that are like, you know what, screw a bunch of this? I don't, we don't care. It, it just we need to make it illegal and be done. Quite honestly, yes, I, I've been involved with issues uh, like this in the past, and I've seen that absolutely happen where they've already made up their mind the public comment period is literally nothing but a dog and pony show just to satisfy the requirements of the state constitution and the the administrative process in state because they are a public agency and they do need to take input from the public uh but there is nothing in there that says they have to listen to the public they have to solicit from the public but you know what we made the decision already Thank you, guys and gals, all for your uh, your input. Thank you for attending this meeting, which is absolutely pointless because we're going to give you the information from this meeting, and we're not going to listen to anything that you have to say anyway. We'll just give you a chance to vent, and then we'll just do what the hell we we're going to do that we were originally going to do, regardless, because we've already made up our mind. That absolutely does happen, and I know that there are people that are concerned about that. Now, with that being said, though, I look at how it's written. And I've also experienced this, wherein an agency is like, you know what, this is, screw a bunch of this. We've we've got to do something. And so they put out the most restrictive, broad-sweeping, egregious proposal. Knowing the public's going to, there's going to be a a segment of the public that, that goes up in an uproar. Well, then they have the public meetings, and then the agency comes to the, the table and says, well, I tell you what, let's compromise, and we'll come up with a season. Knowing full well that that's what they wanted to begin with. You, It's almost like negotiating, uh, you know, if you want to sell something, and you're trying to negotiate the best price. You, you put a ridiculous price on it, knowing full well that, but let's say, arbitrary numbers. You want to sell a car and the car is literally worth twenty thousand dollars. But you 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 send it to a detail shop, you make it look really nice, maybe you throw a new set of tires on it or whatever, and you put a price tag of thirty thousand dollars on that car. You know darn well that a car's not worth it. thirty, it's only worth twenty. But you put thirty on it because then somebody comes, looks at it, and goes, Man, this is really nice, but I don't think it's worth thirty and I'll give you twenty for it. You're like, mm, oh nah." Okay, boy, you drive a hard bargain. I'll, I'll take 20. Yeah, I know. You know damn well that you wanted 20 to begin with, but you put a higher price on it just so that someone comes in, thinks they negotiated you down, and you get the price that you wanted. The same thing has happened. I've seen this in public policy decisions where they come out with a really blanket, egregious policy like this. Everyone loses their mind. There's battle of going back and forth on both sides of the, of the coin, and so the quote-unquote, reasonable people step in and say, okay, okay, okay. How about we just compromise and we do, okay, you can't have the the camera up and running. You you cannot have a a camera running, you know, two weeks prior to the season. Or maybe they treat it like aerial surveys. You can't fly, you know, 24, 48 hours, whatever, you know, however they want to do it before the season. Maybe they come up with some language that is a, quote-unquote, compromise knowing full well that that's where they wanted to be to begin with, because if they just came out and said, okay, we're going to have a game camera season, well, everybody's going to still, you know, blow up the the public comment. And that compromise would be eroded somewhere less than that uh, restriction that they were seeking to begin with. So looking at this language, I just don't see how it's enforceable. And I don't see how it would be considered, um, fair and equitable across the population of the state um because it you're you're you're, you're saying you can't use it in aid in hunting but goodness gracious that that there's so much gray in the gray area in there like you said Jay, the the people that read it and hear that and are quote unquote you know the the letter of the law law-abiding citizen okay they're not going to run a game camp but then you're absolutely going to have those folks that are saying, okay, well, hold on a minute. They said I can't use it to take wildlife. Well, that's fine. I'm going to run it all summer. I'm going to run it July. I'm going to run it August. And then, oh, okay, so I, I won't run it uh, the week before season. But now I have all the inventory data. I know exactly where the animals are. I'm not using it on a daily basis, but I used it to get a game plan. Well, how is where's the gray area? I don't, I just, I can't see this language moving forward, written into law, and if it does get written into law, not be immediately challenged. My guess is, my guess is, is this is going to end up coming down into a compromised uh, arrangement where there ends up being a season, or there ends up being a restriction on when it can be or when game cameras can be deployed during hunting seasons or something like that i i i just i just don't know if, if this language the way it's written makes sense from an enforcement standpoint um I guess I just I guess we're just gonna have to see. Have they made a statement on when they're gonna finalize this? Is it a three step process? Are they gonna have to do like three different months of of discussions, or is this gonna be more fast track? You know,
0: I don't know. I'm sure you can go on the Arizona Game and Fish website and and yeah. find out. Um, I did get contacted by a, a Arizona Game and Fish um, representative that did wanna potentially come on my podcast and kind of give some overall information and maybe set some of the misinformation straight. And, um, I I've said, I'm not opposed to that. Um, you know, the, the, it, there's so much heated, you know, everyone's so passionate about it for me, not really having a dog in the fight it's it's just one of those things that there's it's a no win for me, whichever direction, whichever side I take. And if I don't have a dog in the fight, why am I taking sides kind of mentality? Um, I, I hear and know both sides, um, but it's not like, you know, I'm adamant against using them. It's not I'm adamant, you, you know, to 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 be able to use them. Um, I just know there's a few problem areas and I think like a lot of things, some of the few problem areas are causing a ruckus for the whole. And I think that part of it is the part that bothers me. I think, you know, mitigate the problem areas and let the other areas roll until there becomes lots and lots of issues, you know. The, the Arizona strip and unit nine are basically the hotbeds of this and the rest of the state is going to suffer if they ban all of the trail cameras. Yeah.
1: And, and quite honestly, I really do. And it's again, obviously, obviously I use them.
0: Um, Oh, I use them I too. Like... In, you know, Colorado, we use the heck out of them at the odd six and, um, we use them from a game management standpoint, we use them from an inventory standpoint, and we use them just like you said, uh, uh, watching the property and making sure that no one's, you know, we have cameras all over that basically are just perimeter cameras that will tell us if there's people crossing the fence. And we have full-time staff there of of uh, security, um, full-time. So, you know, cameras for a private landowner can be, Absolutely advantageous and if you don't use them in my opinion wherever you are on private land. You're 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 making a mistake
1: Well and and quite honestly, I don't a lot of times though some of this conflict
0: now let me rephrase that I'm not
1: talking about the conflict of users in unit nine camera users having conflict with other camera users and conflicts with with Other hunters that's not the conflict. I'm talking about the conflict here. Is there are some people that think game cameras are an unfair advantage?
0: Um, well, well, and- let let me let me say one thing to that, and I'll kind of put my devil's advocate hat on. So Good. wherever I use a a game camera, if I were to use a game camera and have them spread out all over, and if I were able to get, and I say I because I'm playing the devil's advocate, if I were able to get a picture of an animal, so a certain buck or ram or bull or or you know whatever. That animal's dead if I have enough time. And if he stays remotely in the general same area, whether it be private land, public land, if he stays in an area where I can hunt with enough time, he's dead. That particular animal, and that's why people use them a lot of times, they are looking for the exceptional animal. Not all the time, but in the in, you know, I've never been to your place in Kansas, but hearing your story talking about this big buck in Kansas, well, if it was all public ground and, and I got a picture of that buck and I had enough time and the season was open, that buck's dead unless he, unless he completely leaves and leaves the area. Now, in Arizona where you can glass, He's even especially more dead if you have enough time. If you have enough season dates and you have enough time to look for him. And that's where the cameras, you know, it's, here's the thing. Is it against fair chase? You only can kill one animal as it is. So if I have a tag and I put out a trail cam and I'm looking for one specific special animal, my argument would be, and I'm playing the devil's advocate, my argument would be, what does it matter whether I kill that one big giant non-typical or just kill a buck? A buck is a buck. I can only kill one. Yeah. The one thing that cameras yeah. do is it gives me the advantage that used I used to have the advantage when I was glassing because I spent so much time glassing that I saw the animal with my eye. And once I saw them, there's a good chance that animal's dead. Well, with the game camera, you can cover the country 24-7 at night and if he waters at one trick tank or one dirt tank one time i can then focus my efforts on that animal in that area and the likelihood of them being dead is is very 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 high
1: well then okay let me let me let me play your let me play devil's advocate to your devil's advocate because i i can hear people screaming in their phones right now there are going to be some that say well okay well that." It's an unfair, unfair advantage. It's not fair because some of us can't afford a bunch of game cameras. Some of us can't afford to have that technology in play. So, some people that have money that get to go out and and put game cameras on the landscape have an unfair advantage over those people that don't have the ability to do that. And so, so my it, argument to
0: that money. is. Game cameras don't cost that much and the, the to play the card of someone has more money and they can buy more cameras doesn't hold any water with me. Everybody has wakes up in the morning and has the same opportunity as the next guy. And if you know buying ten or buying hundred trail cameras is a priority, they can cut back on their Starbucks coffee, their Circle K, you know, seven eleven, you know, beef jerky and you know piddly diddly stuff that they spend all year. So if it's a priority Money shouldn't have anything to do with it. I know people that have 100 trail cameras that have no money, and I know people that have three trail cameras that have more money than God. So I don't buy that argument one bit. That's me playing the devil's advocate to your devil's advocate to my devil's advocate.
1: All right, then then let me me do another devil's advocate.
0: (laughs) This is fun. (laughs) Because
1: what you said also could be argued this very well could a game camera could be seen as carrying a firearm It's the great equalizer it, it, if a criminal is going to go attack someone they're, they're going to attack someone who is is unsuspecting and vulnerable and so if you're a, a younger person you're a smaller woman or if you are an elderly individual you if you don't have the physical strength, and you don't have the ability, you can become a very easy target for someone who wants to mug you, uh, rape you, whatever. Unless, of course, you're carrying a handgun. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter my age, doesn't matter how big I am, doesn't matter how strong I am, I've got something to equalize this playing field right now. A game camera, because you, what you said there, is if you, Jay, Scott, with the skills that you have sitting behind glass, and the time that you have to sit behind glass, there Are some people that go, Oh, yeah, I've got the way my, my job is structured or, or my personal wealth is structured or whatever I'd or COVID has shut me down. I have I've got plenty of time to go sit on the landscape and just sit there and watch, watch, watch day in, day out, all day long for weeks on end. And I can figure out where these animals are and go after them. Versus, there are some people they don't have that time, they're hardworking. they're they're, they're work well. My wife now. She's working for the Federal Small Business Administration it, as, a, as an attorney. She's, it's a mandatory six days a week, minimum 10-hour day for a federal job. So she doesn't have time to go diddle around, do anything. But yet if she had a camera, she could conceivably, if she had a bunch of game cameras on the landscape, she could conceivably cover the same amount of ground you can in the same time frame and have the same level of information. So it becomes an
0: equalizer, On no, I, I would no definitely difference. agree with you on the fact that it becomes an equalizer. If you're covering all of the water holes in your unit, you know, pretty much all of the water sources over a long enough period of time, you're going to get an inventory of what's there. And once yes. you, once you get an inventory of what's there, it just becomes, do you have enough time to be able to take that information that you gained uh, and then, you know make it equal a a, a harvest of that animal it's no different than if someone had 30 days prior to the season glassing morning and night if you were able to take all of that same knowledge that they had could that help you in your hunt the answer is absolutely yes if you run game cameras 30 days prior to your hunt can you take that data and potentially help yourself absolutely yes Um, Now, with that being said, I know there's a lot of people that send me game cameras of animals all day long of this big coos deer or this big mule deer or this big whatever, and they can't kill them. Correct. So there is, you know, it's not like you get a picture on a game camera and the animal's just dead. If you have a certain skill set and if you have the amount of time to be able to put that skill set to work, there's no doubt in my mind that game cameras give an advantage because the more okay. the more adva- the more inventory that you can gather and the more timing of inventory when that animal was at a certain time because we know these animals move around if you know that that buck you've been wanting to kill from the year before is spending all of his time in a certain pasture and then all of a sudden 3 days before he shows up on another camera you know he's moved half the time you're looking in the wrong area the the benefit of a trail camera sometimes is timing he came the night before so i know he's got to be close or he's been over here and now he's moved over here and we've been spending all of our resources looking a mile over here when he's moved now we know he's moved so boom let's you know flood the area and we'll find him and there he is
1: here, but here's here's the thing here's what you said there that i will i will i will provide a caveat to a qualification yes it can provide an advantage my statement is if you are the only one with that information
0: correct and that if everybody
1: else has the same information everybody else is going to do the same thing and the reason why i think a lot of these people don't kill the animals they have on uh game cameras is because there's so many people descending on the same area. They all keep screwing each other up.
0: And that's, that's what's what created saying. the problems, Chris. That that exact, right. That's exactly that and checking the camera at all times of the day. And if there's 12 cameras, that means 12 people. You know, you've seen it in Unit 9 where literally it's like a procession of people in and out, in and out, yeah. in and out. So what happens? those animals stop using that water source or they only use it at night because they've learned that they're not going there during the day because at every given hour of, of daylight hours, there's someone buzzing in on a quad or in a truck to check that, that tank where you, you know, all summer long that they've been getting pictures snapped like crazy because no one's there bothering no, but then right before hunting season and all during the hunting season, guys are just checking camps checking camps checking camps checking camps and why because they're trying to get they already have the inventory but they're trying to find that special animal that that, that they want to kill where is he right now and that does give that does give a hunter an advantage
1: well and this is it,
0: yeah no different it, than if you were driving down the road and and he ran through your, your headlights of your truck, that gave you an advantage. It was a circumstance yep. that happened, but you now know exactly where that buck, buck or bull is, and it was 3 in the morning, and you're like, okay, I can get right on his tracks, and I at least know right where to start. Yep. Now, here's,
1: here's the thing. This is why I think a lot of people that are, that are arguing against this, this whole scenario Again, many people, and I've seen this with the lighted knock issue, I've seen this with the crossbow issues. Many people that have this visceral aversion to technology or something, it really seems like the vast majority of people that are arguing against it have zero experience using it. Right? They don't. They have. They have no clue what the realities around a certain thing are, and so they're missing the boat. Quite honestly if i was arguing this in arizona now first and foremost i would love to find out who who that that buddy of yours was was talking about cuz i thought of the same thing with my subscription based model you put a you put a game of two cellular cameras on every water hole two different angles so you know so one camera is facing the other one so no one can steal them well
0: you can't, you, you can't do even cell have aeros- you can't do cell. you can do trail cams hold but- on hold on hold, okay. hold on hold okay okay on. <laughs>
1: Arizona Fish and Game could do this and use this as a money maker.
0: Well, and I've talked about i talked about that before where, y- you know, the Game and Fish could run trail cams on every one of their drinkers, and if you want to know what's on that drinker, you can subscribe to, you know, and pay. Correct. Guys, would pay I, I, Guys would pay a lot of money. Guys would pay, I would I, bet, I, I
1: thought hundreds. of that business model years ago. Yes. I, yes. I think
0: they would pay, you know, $500 a year. Uh, and that seems like a lot, but you know, if you've, if you've got, but then you've got, well, the game and fish is saying, well, how do we keep batteries and how do we do this? And how do we do that? And da da da. But, you know, if you were looking at it from a business perspective, the game and fish, I think they could charge a bunch of money and everybody have access to the same photos, whether that be sheep drinkers, you know, mule deer drinkers, elk drinkers, whatever it may be. You you, you sign up for a subscription. I guarantee you the amount of money that they that that would generate would pay for, uh, um, you know, college kids, interns to be able to go change batteries and you know do different things to keep those running. I mean, run it like most, a business. Most,
1: yeah, most of the cameras nowadays you can have a solar charger on the dang thing and, and just put up a the solar and just run it. And quite honestly, and people are like, oh, there's no way in hell, you know, we're going to pay that. Bologna, how much are you paying for batteries right
0: now? Right. It would I actually mean, it's, be it's, cheaper for someone to do a subscription model, even if it was $1,000 a year, than what they're paying now. Because by the correct. time you, you measure the amount of fuel and, um, you know, batteries and the time, yes. it's yes. it's way cheaper. But, you know, yeah, I mean...
1: Then, and this is why... this why uh, this is why I argue and I would I think if the game and fish wanted to shut down some of this ridiculousness, okay fine if you want to put if you want to put a regulation I think the option I think this option what we're talking about is is the best option. The next best option fine you're only allowed to run a cell camera. If you're going to put a cell camera on a water source, you're only, Allowed to use a cellular camera? Why? Because now you don't need to go in there and disturb the tank and disturb the area to "quote unquote" check your camera.
0: Well, Even, the problem with the, that the, is the there's in Arizona, there's just in those areas, just not a lot of good cell service.
1: Oh well. So okay. So well then, you don't. Okay. So then the camera doesn't work there. I I mean I, again, I'm 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 playing devil's advocate. Right? There's no way you could you could uh, right. enforce that. But the issue is, is a cellular camera, and, you know, some people are saying, well, you know, they they don't want, you know, live, okay, see, this is the other thing, too, that I argue all the time. The law says live-action camera. Okay, well, a cell camera is not a live-action camera. A live-action camera is what they run in Texas, where it's literally live streaming. Right. And you can sit there and watch that deer at a drinker or deer at a feeder, and you can be watching it on your phone as you stalk in, and every time it picks its head up, you can stop. Now, there might be a couple-second delay there, but a live-action camera is one watching live action. Right. A cellular camera is no different than a regular camera. All it does is it snaps a picture, and then within some set, some framework of a delay, it will send you a picture. Now, some of my cameras, I, I can set it to where it sends it instantaneously. And so within 30 seconds, if I've got good cell reception, I'll have a picture. Some people are like, oh, well, that's live action. And then, not really. 30 seconds can sometimes be a long time, especially if I'm camped 10 miles from that drinker. Okay, so I know a bull is there now. Well, I'm not. It's going to take me 30 minutes to get over there. I, I don't know where that animal is now. But, okay, argument made that I knew at an instant that that animal was there. Well, the other thing is, is there, other, there are other camera systems where that's not the case. It takes a minute. Five minutes. Sometimes you have cameras that you can set where it says it only sends a picture every hour, or a batch of pictures every hour, a batch of pictures every twelve hours. So just because it has a cellular antenna on it does not mean. And based on the like you said, cell service, sometimes it will take an hour or more for that picture to come through because the cell reception is crappy. So again, people talk about cellular cameras as being this this panacea. No. No. And quite honestly, I could see them, and, and you touched on it from a management standpoint, of just allowing people to know, running a game camera uh, is allows people to know what the inventory is to where some people, if they choose to, can be more selective on uh, where they want to go and, and what animals that they want to use or, or harvest. Well, that means if you are not that individual... Well, then, those people aren't competing with you Right. because they're going after one animal, and you can go after all the other animals that they want. Right? So some people, I, I don't, I ah, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Know. Well,
0: I would encourage anyone listening to the podcast that's you know an Arizona resident, uh, if they have comments, uh, there are places you can go on the Game and Fish website. You can actually uh, email each commissioner directly. Uh, I I know also they're going to have a public forum uh, where you can get up and talk at the microphone. I recommend making good non-emotional arguments, make good valid arguments either way, whether you're pro or, uh, you know, whether you're for it or against it, um, try and keep emotion out of it, try and speak facts, try and make a good logical case. And, you know, that's your right to do and they're inviting that. So I would encourage you to, you know, make a good solid case to the commissioners either way and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for sure yeah
1: i know i know that you have to get going here brother so i appreciate the time um i might just wrap up a couple other little thoughts but i i will I, I hey I, I know you've got to go brother i know you gotta oh. go so i'll, I'll catch you loose if you want yeah, yeah. sounds Obviously good chris it's always
0: place. great um being on with you and uh, congrats on that big deer and we have so much other things to talk about, so I look forward to it uh, on on future episodes. So, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right, brother. I'll I'll share your information with everybody when we when we cut off here. But uh, be safe, and we'll talk soon. man.
0: All right, buddy. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.